0: Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was really delighted to be joined by Kate Silverstone, who we most commonly know as being a BBC news and journalist. But she has also just written a book called There's No Such Thing as Naughty. And this is a wonderful conversation about parenting and about that real understanding that what is it we want to build in our children and she emphasizes those great things that I speak about all the time about resilience and empathy so a really wonderful conversation and I was quite fascinated by how much knowledge Kate has got around child psychology and behaviour but also around our brains and how they actually function and I feel as if there's lots of sections in this book I need to read about uh, my own brain having if you listen to the podcast regularly you'll know that I had a brain aneurysm four years ago so I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Kate thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's
1: a pleasure it's good to
0: see you. You too you too tell us a wee bit about you. Oh, wee bit
1: about me. Well, what can I tell you? I am a journalist. I'm a broadcaster of uh, many years now. And although I've been working in news and current affairs for most of my life, my passion, my absolute passion is children. And um, for many years, I wasn't able to have children. And so I sort of had put my studies on the back burner. I think there was a bit of a defense mechanism going on there, but um, I was uh, gifted with the gorgeous two children that we have, um, who are now nine and six. And ha- becoming a mom and, and having that incredible gift really reignited all the questions that I'd had around parenthood and children and how we can ensure that. Our children grow um, with, I mean, the way I put it in the book is with healthy brains, Ah, essentially. And so I'd studied, my degree was in child psychology, and I'd been working for many years with different children's charities just because of this natural kind of, you know, love and passion for small people. And what I had been learning was that what we now understand about our brain development tells us, everything we need to know about our children's behavior and not just that but about our own behavior too frankly yep. as adults so this journey that I've been on, which has been, you know, in in, in no small part, my own psychotherapy journey, my training now to become a children's counsellor. So I'm a counsellor on placement now at a primary school in London. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then I start my master's in September to go on to become a child psychotherapist. So there's been this whole shift in my in my uh, career Uh which really you know as much as I've loved my news and current affairs and that's given me the access to all these incredible neuroscientists and psychiatrists because of the work that I do generally in the BBC but now all this knowledge that I've gained uh, I'm like I just want to share it so the concept really for the book came it's been in my head for many many years but the concept really came last March almost a year to the day and for until I received the book in my hand. I just thought, I want to write this book. I've got all this knowledge from all these people that I've interviewed around the world. How do I do that? And it prompted a discussion with a publisher. And then I had the brain burning sort of six to eight months of then writing this book. Um, and, and that's where we are today, where I hold my book, which makes me a published author for the first time. And mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. And the title is, There's No Such Thing as Naughty.
0: Yeah. I love it and it's interesting as we emerge from the pandemic and this podcast started in the pandemic and so many people are changing their lives and I'm sure there's a perception that someone that works on the BBC as a newsreader doesn't want to change their lives so I'm loving that we're already in this place of growing and that sort of a quest for knowledge, that quest to do what, what your burning heart desires for you to do so I'm really excited to hear, what do you know for sure Kate? What I know for sure is
1: that for our very young children, there is no such thing as naughty. Mm-hmm.
0: And I do agree. I've been very privileged that some of my f- friends are youth workers and wonderful youth workers. And I've been very privileged, therefore, to always have an understanding that it is not a level playing field in some kids. Some kids just need a wee bit more help. But tell me, what does it mean for you? How has that shown up in your journey of learning, of parenting, of life? Well, I
1: think that understanding how our brains develop has that the biggest shift was when I was interviewing these neuroscientists and psychiatrists like Dr. Bruce Perry, who's an incredible psychiatrist and neuroscientist in the States. In fact, he's got a book out with Oprah, no less, um, mm-hmm. around the, at the same time as my book comes out. And I've had the privilege of, of him reading um, the first sort of initial draft of the first chapter because I really wanted to my passion. And I guess this ties in with being a journalist is to convey what could ostensibly be quite complicated information mm. in a really simple way. I don't come from a privileged background. My dad was a London cab driver, but he had a thirst. He went on to become a hypnotherapist, actually, and so he he was always curious and had a thirst for knowledge, and I'm, I've obviously inherited that from him. And my passion is about sharing information. It shouldn't be the preserve of the sort of elite uh, academics. I want to. Uh, somebody put it to democratize knowledge and I thought well that is right Mm. because we all every every one of us who's a parent or carer primary carer grandparent we all want to make sure that our children are feeling loved and safe and and have the best possible experience of life that they can so we all want to be brilliant parents now I think, and that's what I've put in the book, is that when we understand how our brains develop and that our children's brains are still in development right up until we we understand and we're still learning about the brain to around with 25. So when we're looking at a two or a three-year-old, we're not looking on a, a, there's no level playing field here. And people like Alan Shaw and Suzanne, Dr. Z. Dyke, who I interviewed for the book as well, We talk about understanding that our children's emotions are massive because they don't have the dial to turn down their emotions because they're living with a brain that is still really, is immature, you know, so... As parents, when we can understand that, we can then I think, and that's what the book sets out to do, is to sort of explain that in a really simple way. And I've explained the brain using three animals in a tree. Yeah. So it's like forget cerebellum, amygdala, bilateral integration. You don't need to know, you know, I explain it because I I know parents want to feel empowered by the science, but I'm like, okay, once we've got past this explanation, we dive in and we talk about our children's brains using a lizard, a baboon, and a wise owl, Excellent. and our young children, our very young children, are pretty much that they are pretty much influenced um, when they're very young by the lizard and the wise owl. Uh, by the sorry, by the lizard and the baboon. They don't have what we think of as a wise owl just yet. They have what I think of as a fluffy owlet. Mm-hmm. So the wise owl is the thing that actually sort of regulates our emotions. It allows us to, to think about the past and the future and to, you know, understand moral behaviour, the rights and the wrongs of society. Mm-hmm. It's the big picture perspective. But our children, when they're very young, are operating pretty much in survival mode. They're mm-hmm. developing or the, you know, the thought processes mm-hmm. we want them to have as adults but really their main priority in life is to survive and it's the lizard and the baboon who are on the lookout for any potential danger they're trying to learn they're trying to engage in social relationships lots of things are going on so at some point their behavior is going to spill over yeah into a bit of overwhelm if mm-hmm. you like emotional overwhelm and As our job as carers and parents is to help them in those moments, not to punish them. So when they're having a tantrum, if we can have a look at what old school would call tantrum, um, we can now look and kind of go, wow, okay, something is going on that I need to help you with that, not... Oh, my God, what a spoilt little child stomping their feet, you know, mm. flailing their fists. Oh, I'm going to put you on a naughty step. Yeah. No, we don't have to do that. And in fact, when we understand what's going on in our children, not just in their brains, but in their bodies with the stress response, which, again, I explain when we understand that we can really tap into our own compassion however Mm -hmm. tired and stressed and fraught we are as parents i understand that i'm a working mom you know i get that you know we are all operating especially in the current environment um that we can look and we can think this is not personal you're not doing it to to pee me off frankly you know Mm -hmm. when you don't want to come home from the park if i can see that you are in the middle of a stress response I can literally get down to your level and say, sweetheart, I can see you are really, really finding it hard to come home from the park right now. Mummy understands or daddy understands. And I give all the scripts and the tips and the tools in the book to then walk our children through to bring them down with us and you end up walking home hand in hand, counting yellow leaves on the way, rather than what we all hate doing, which is shouting, get here now, we have to go home, I've got to do the dinner, and don't you know I've got work emails? Well, no, they don't. They're in the middle of this joyful Mm. stress response. It's, you know, joy is as big a sort of emotion as as, um, unhappiness. And, And we can work with our children. And I guarantee, I guarantee, and I've already had mums and dads um, contacting me about this, those that have read the book already. It makes our life easier. It makes our life easier. We're not battling against our children. And hey, guess what? Their bond with us is strengthening because they're like mum, dad, granny, speaks my language they understand me and when we feel as adults as well as children when we feel seen and heard we can calm down and mm-hmm. we can work together And this is, it's not just me saying this, this is all has its roots in science. This is what neuroscience now tells us is happening in the brain. And the strengthening of the bonds that we, when we parent in this way, rather than the punitive way, is that we are building our children's resilience and empathy, Mm -hmm. two of the key ingredients for later life and indeed, obviously, in our childhood. So it's as much really this book about Helping to support parents as well as helping them to lay the foundations for good future mental health.
0: Yep, yep. And I know that you've obviously, it sounds like a wonderful book. And I think anything that builds resilience and empathy, what is not to love, obviously, about that. And the fact that you're doing the animals, so we've got the owl and we've got the lizard and everything, was it important to you when you started writing this book that it was accessible? for everybody and it didn't become another intellectual manual that actually is too hard for everybody to read or is put off, puts off too many pennants, something that was actually absolutely. a pleasure to read.
1: Yeah, absolutely that. And and that's what I set myself a challenge because in the past sort of decade I've worked with a lot of families. So I work with some of the big major charities here, the Anna Freud Centre um in London. I mean they're all national charities, the nspcc of course and place to be, which is where I do my training. And when I have interviewed and just sat with other parents you know one mum said to me and i this is what really she said to me don't forget uh, the average reading age in the uk is eight wow and i was i was you know really taken aback but yeah. she said i want the science i want to be able to say to my mother who actually she said you know didn't you know, to have compassion, but didn't know better. When my mom is telling me to lock my little boy in his room at night because he's crying or because he won't, you know, mm. do as as he's asked, that I can come back because she said I I, I I instinctively don't want to do that, but I'm kind of I've got this pressure from outside telling me that that's I'm being too soft. I'm going to create a spoiled child. She said, I now know. This is her speaking with the parenting support classes that a lot of the charities will offer families who who are maybe asking for it or if their children are struggling at school, she said, I now know that's not right. But I can't tell her that because she won't believe me. So that's where I thought, I want a book that explains really hardcore neuroscience, but in a very simple way. I am not you know I'm not as I say I don't come from an intellectual academic background but I have a thirst for knowledge and I don't like leaving any stone unturned Mm -hmm. when it comes to understanding something Mm -hmm. obviously that's my job as a journalist so I set myself this challenge of writing a really scientific book but that was written in a way that my eight nine year old could read and understand and I think in um, images and I love Africa. And as I was thinking through the brainstem and the limbic system and all the papers that I've read up until this point, And I thought, well, look, you know, the lizard, we, our survival brain, our reptilian brain with a brainstem and a cerebellum is actually the same brain that lizards have had for hundreds of millions of years. Right. Yeah. It doesn't think it just does. And it's involved in the fight flight response. But, you know, think of a lizard sitting on a branch and a fly comes past, the lizard just tongue goes out and that's it. Job done. Lunch Mm -hmm. is done. Well, that's pretty much when our children are hungry. When we are hungry, it's the lizard who is like, hello, I'm hungry. So when a baby's crying, that urgent cry that we Mm -hmm. all know with our babies, it's the lizard going Uh, I'm going to make sure that you hear me because otherwise I might die so the lizard's job is to protect our children to keep them alive so it doesn't think it's not conscious it doesn't there's no choice involved it just does so breathing balance all these sleep um, patterns are all um, uh, you know controlled by the lizard. And then you've got the baboon, which is one that I think we can all really relate to with little toddlers. I sort of based it on my son. You know, the sort of beating of the chest and the lovely gambling play and seeking and curiosity and all that sort of unlimited behavior. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the memory system, I call it a memory sack. And it's this wonderful baboon. But the baboon is also about survival. So if another child comes at your child in nursery with the raised fist it's going to be the lizard and the baboon go whoa hang on a moment uh-huh. and that's when we see the amygdala flare up and this whole triggering of the stress response in the body but I think if we can look at our children when they're gambling around and you think oh that's amazing look at that little baboon and he's running around and he's learning and when he wants to clamber on the climbing frame it's doing it's it's the brain is developing in the way it should and we don't want to curtail that as parents. Yeah. But what we do want is to help the baboon and lizard to understand that there are boundaries around behavior. So we can't just as fun as it is to dip our hands in the red paint and smear it on paper, we can't smear it on the walls. Yeah. So it's then about parenting using boundaries, mm-hmm. but softly logged in. And that's where that wise out comes into. If I can. Get in, in my wise owl in touch. She can explain very gently, sweetheart. Oh, I can see how much fun you are having with the red paint. We're going to keep it on the paper, okay? We don't put it on the walls. And gently parenting like that, we are putting in boundaries about behaviour because you can't have behaviour that is just completely chaotic and permissive parenting. I think that's as you know um, negative as punitive parenting. So, we, but we can help our children that baboon and lizard as much as they're having great fun that there is a line around the sort of behaviour, acceptable behaviour. And when we do that, when we use our wise owl parenting, we are helping that little fluffy outlet yeah. grow and grow and grow until our children can start regulating themselves in a way that is appropriate.
0: Yeah. And I love that you're speaking so much about, and I can't wait to read the section on the lizard brain because a whole motivation for everything I do now, Kate, is that I had a, a brain aneurysm in my cerebellum four years ago, so I can't wait to see what, what the, and I've got a platinum coil in there now. So I can't actually wait to read that section of the book. But to just I suppose round off, what I would love to ask you and I think it would be relevant to to those listening as well to have the contemplation. I've got three kids aged six, fourteen and seventeen, and I know that parenting is a long journey that probably gets harder as it goes on, I have to say. Do you sort of uh, have that reflection that people can think, oh yeah She's on the BBC News and she's written a book and she's she's just nailing parenting every day of the week. Do you have that real reflection that this is a journey and I'm doing my best and when oh, I do better, I do better? I mean,
1: listen, so, okay, let me dispel that right here and now. So this book is full of uh, personal experiences and I do not spare myself any embarrassment yeah. in that because I think, you know it was Donald Winnicott that said, you know, it's it, it better to, to actually have the imperfect parent, mm-hmm. um, because that's what provides the complexity and the sort of the rich tapestry of life. So, there is nothing in this book, and in fact, Professor Peter Fonagy, who's one of the leading uh, children's mental health, and he said, Kay, I read it. to to look up for any any form of condescension or patronizing or finger-wagging. He said, there is not one. And that was my biggest achievement because what I wanted to say is, listen, I am not perfect, and I put that in the book. And what I explain in, and there's a whole chapter devoted to it, is that when we are not regulated and none of us are regulated all the time, yeah. we're not operating, we're not able to operate. if I've got 50 emails or the puppy coming in or the you know or, 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 or there's a lot going on in my life, I'm going to find it a lot harder to tap into my white owl brain, mm-hmm. the prefrontal cortex element and, and and act calmly. So if I'm stressed and tired and all the things that I know parents have been, especially in the last year. Yeah. I am going to have, when my kids are running upstairs after they've just come home from school and it's really noisy, my baboon's going to kick in yes. because the baboon steps in when there's, when there's sort of, it's a bit fearful actually. So yeah. if I'm afraid that my kids are going to fall down the stairs because they're running riot, I'm oh, kids, I'm not going to operate as quickly from my wise owl brain. I'm going to go, the baboon's going to step in because he's afraid. And when it's about survival, he comes first. What I can do in those moments, and again, I explain it in the book, is that when I can then come down and go, guys, I'm really sorry, mummy shouted. I don't want to shout. Mummy's baboons on the rampage. You know, make them laugh. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, get rid of that tension, dissipate the tension. And then explain and say, mummy was scared. Mummy was just scared you were going to fall. So I tell you what, shall we all come downstairs and do some star jumps in the garden? Or shall we do this? As soon as I can step back and regulate myself and recognise that there's nothing wrong with me, I'm not a bad person, I'm not a bad parent. I've just got a lot going on. And right now, my baboon is literally sort of ready and off, out of the blocks before my wise hours had a chance to swoop down and scoop everybody up with her warm wings. The important thing for children to understand, our children is that it's not their fault. We don't want to be sort of shaming and punishing our children. Yeah. We want to explain that in all of our behaviour, there's a reason. And actually, if mummy sort of looks a bit upset, maybe actually we need to kind of just put our listening ears on. So when we can all forgive ourselves, yes. that no, absolutely mm-hmm. no one, no one, is, and forget it, if anybody tells you they're a perfect parent, or, you know, absolutely they're fibbing. So what I do in the book is I'm really honest But what I have found and hand on heart, I know works is when we understand how we work, we will be able to help our children and our parenting experience becomes a whole lot less stressful because we are confident that we can tap into our atavistic sort of instincts, the things that are the wisdoms that have been passed down by our ancestors across the generations that we all have inside us. When we're able to take a step back and just regulate That's when the magic happens and we be the parents that we want to be.
0: Great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Kate. It's an absolute pleasure. And the book, There's No Such Thing as Naughty, is out now. Yes, so available in all good bookshops.
1: Indeed so and I'd love to support all the um, the independent uh, bookstores if we can and thank you so much for the opportunity so lovely I feel like I've just been chatting at you it's normally my job to interview so it's a bit weird I want to ask you how are you with your brain aneurysm and everything
0: I mean you know I'm great uh, I'm doing great thanks life is very really kind to me life is oh. interestingly I will add though I believe that your brain's always improving because from where I was four years ago the improvement goes on still four years later and i My doctors at the time said new evidence suggests that it can repair for up to ten years. So the brain is never done growing, is what I would say in relation to that. Yeah, and that's a
1: really good point to end on. I mean, there's ninety year olds that are benefiting from therapy still. So we know the brain continues, and I think that's key for every parent of every children of every age, because actually, because of that fact, it's Mm. never too late. Because I know that we can all suffer that parental guilt of like, oh God, but I didn't do that, and oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. what we there there is a lot of information that we didn't know before well we know it now with science and we also know as you say that we can repair and yeah. that's the key thing so we can always keep working with our children and developing that relationship and um, getting as much out of life and love and and family as as um, as we want throughout the decades
0: exactly exactly my Angela always said when you know better do better and that's what we have to do as parents isn't it I have that quote in the book. Oh do you? Fantastic. <laughs> oh I love that. What a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much, Kate. Take care. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite.